Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Acceptance Podcast on the Drum Brigade Network. I am Corey Kingston. I'm the host of the Acceptance Podcast as well as the Drum Brigade Podcast with Funky Phil Pardell. I am so happy to be here with you guys today. It has been a minute. I haven't done this show in a few months, but I'm so happy to bring it back today. And uh, we have a little bit different of a format. Normally, you're used to hearing me uh, talking on the mic solo, telling you about my personal experiences in the music industry and my long career of touring and all of that stuff and how it's brought me to own my own business and uh, do my thing. But today, we're spicing things up a little bit and we're bringing a guest on with us. His name is Adam Gust. Adam is a world-renowned drummer, uh, producer, musician, educator. He went to North Texas State and he works as a session drummer, a live drummer, uh, although the pandemic is hindering um, a lot of live gigs, but he still is a, a, a well-accomplished a well drummer. Um, he has an amazing story of working through a horrific injury that almost ended his career. And so on this episode, Adam and I discuss many different things. We actually have a lot of similarities and a lot of things in common, working through injury and nerve damage and all these kind of things. But uh, working through his almost career-ending injury and his re rehabilitation, his physical and mental rehabilitation and recovery, this journey has brought him into different studies and developing how the body reacts to our mental state and, I, and our psychology and how that's all connected, especially specifically with drummers. So it's a very interesting subject that we're discussing today with Adam, and I'm really, really excited to um, get into it. Before we get started, I do want to mention that there is some adult language in this episode. So with that being said, let's get started. Let's not waste any more time. Please welcome to the show, Adam Gust on the Acceptance Podcast on the Drum Brigade Network. Adam Gust, man. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you so much for coming on, man. This is awesome to have you on. You're the first guest on the Acceptance Podcast. And um, of course, we've had many guests on the Drum Brigade Podcast, but um, this is really cool to have you on. And um, man, you're like, you know, meeting you in Chops and Coffee and hanging out with you. And then just from the first day, you know, this is only, I've only, I feel like I've only known you for a couple of weeks, but I feel like I've known you for a long time, you know? Anyways, what, what I'm saying is, um, from the first day, man, it's just like, you've, you've captured everyone's attention in chops and coffee. And, uh, it's amazing the stuff that you're, you're doing. And, and, um, you know, I feel like you're going to have a big influence on the, not only the drum community, but the world, man. So it's, uh, it's really cool. 
Um, so thank you for coming on, man. How have you been? Uh, I've been extremely well. Uh, you know, we're all in difficult times, but I think you know the more we can focus on the things that are going our way, the better. And it sounds like that's the nature of this podcast. So uh, yeah, this ties in great. Thanks, Corey. Yeah, of course, man. So um, for those of you guys who don't know, Adam um, is a North North Texas State guy. Um, done a lot of session work. Done a lot of touring, professional work. Um, amazing drummer. Um, you, you're an educator, um, you have a really unique approach to education now, uh, especially for music and, um, that's all noteworthy stuff. Um, and then it, it kind of has stemmed from a very, very unique traumatic story. Right. Um, and so can you tell us a little bit about, about that, um, you know, a brief, brief summary of your history and then, um, and then we can get into your, your story. Yeah, sure. Uh, originally from Minnesota and uh, played a lot of basketball there and then moved that into drums and uh, ended up going to music school in Texas and I moved to LA in 2000. So I've been a pro drummer out here since that time and it's been a roller coaster, lots of ups, lots of downs, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's been a great experience. Like I really look back on my life and I recently even did a kind of collage video of a bunch of stuff I've done on the drums and even seeing that like, wow, it's, it's been very diverse and I'm proud of that. So that's very cool. And, um, and so through your education, through your experiences, that's brought you to, um, education, like being an educator yourself, giving, um, clinics and doing, um, things with musicians Institute and, and, um, all kinds of stuff like that. Right. MI has been great. Stuart Jean has understood how my, path differs from a lot of people and he welcomed me to do some classes there and that was really great for me and had an impact on some students who reached out to me personally about it which just made all the man all the difference in the world for me feeling like okay this thing that's so personal to me could impact other people and I have done stuff at USC some like rhythm section master classes but it's all been just drummer stuff, you know, but uh, like the more kind of psychological um, blending mind and body stuff uh, I first started at MI. That's amazing. So that, that kind of stuff is amazing to me that just what you said, I know we're just getting started, but like, it's so intimidating for me. I know that's like, that sounds funny, but like, you know, you jumping into chops and coffee and, and that's a, you know, a morning warm up thing that, you know, that I lead. Yeah. And, it, but it's like, you know, hearing a guy come in with credentials like yours and, and, you know, doing, um, you know, courses and all these different things, master classes and all that stuff. I'm like, man, I'm, uh, what am I doing here leading this? You know, <laughs> like, what am I doing? <laughs> no, no, no. But you, man, I love what you're doing. Chops and coffee is a great hang for everyone. It's a great group that you've created. And I saw those posts you make on the, chat and instagram you play your ass off on the drums oh, so, man, man thank yeah, you it's, man i feel it oh just I, I mean i really like you said we haven't known each other that long but i feel a kinship with you <laughs> yeah. you're very welcoming but you're also good at leading like and that's really hard for so many people to be a leader that kind of invites input from the people they're with and man it's great what you're doing very cool man thank you so um so back to you though, um, you have a very unique story and I know you've, you've been on a bunch of different podcasts and, and, um, you know, you've shared your story with many people, but, um, for our listeners, they may not know that you've, 
you know, you, so you're basically you're, you're forming your, you know, your story now you're writing a book and, um, you're, 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 um, kind of spreading your message now. Um, but that all stems from a very traumatic event in your life. Right. And that's something that we, we have in common. Um, you know, like I had a, a, a really bad injury. It didn't, I don't think it, it didn't send me down the same path as you. And, um, that's where I think it's very unique is, you had a, a, a horrific injury. You had a horrific trauma from stemming from that injury, but now that's propelled you in a positive way to these new studies that people haven't dove into. Right. And it's helping the community and, um, it's helping, you know, all kinds of different things. So, um, if we can, let's transition into that. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your story and what, what happened to you? Sure. Yeah. I, uh, was, doing lots of gigs at the time, 2010. I was working on an instructional series, 3D drumming. And uh, I remember I had just gotten this call to do a world tour with Wang Chung. Oh. We were doing a reunion and it was gonna be super awesome. And I was all excited about it. And I was doing a gig with a badass blues band at the time. And uh, not, during the gig, I was loading in and I walked through a glass door. glass shattered and fell on me and there it was it was gory and the emergency room you know, <laughs> visit and cat hands and cast for a few months and uh yeah i just think back to the person i was immediately before that accident and who I became. hey guys Corey here i just want to jump in here really quick at this point in the podcast, this is a very difficult subject for Adam to embellish a little bit more and dive in deep into this story. So this is something that he's worked through. Um, I get the sense that this is difficult for him to talk about. And he has talked about in more detail on other podcasts. Um, for example, if you wanna hear the complete story from Adam himself, he tells the story in more detail on the Musician Mindset podcast. Now, I don't want to speak for Adam and tell his story, but I will give you the long and the short of it. So apparently what happened was Adam was loading his drums into a gig. He had to make a couple trips to get all of his drums in the venue. Well, when he walked out to go get his last load, someone shut the sliding glass door behind him. So when he was loading in his third load, he didn't know that the door was closed and he walked directly through that sliding glass door. The shards of glass from that door severely damaged his hands, where he had to have, of course, many stitches, but there was damage to his nerves and damage to his ligaments, where this almost ended his career. He was put in cast for several months, and his long road of recovery lasted for many years and he had to relearn how to basically play and relearn how to mentally wrap his head around what just happened. I just think back to the person I was immediately before that accident and who I became like the moment it happened. I think I realize now looking back that it was really a fracture in just my awareness of myself. Like I really kind of feel like I became two people. And I think that that was something I was trying to fix physically, like with physical therapy, you know, because there was there is nerve damage in my hand, but I really ignored the psychological impact and the sociological impact that 
uh, not many people talk about. So uh, I just want to get comfortable having that conversation, even if it makes some other people uncomfortable, because we are all so vulnerable and it can really strike people hard sometimes. It's very true. Um, so similarly, uh, with my injury, I had severe nerve damage. Um, it's it's something that is, uh, it's, um, it's incredible how much that affects your body, both mentally and physically. Um, I mean, I, it was the worst pain I've ever been in, in my entire life. And, and then the, after the facts, the recovery, the numbness that you have, my injury was in my foot, in my kick drum foot. And, um, and then, and then the years of, you know, like my first tour back with my, my injury and still being on pills and, you know, trying to deal with that for years after the fact affected me in so many different ways. Um, I'm sure it's the same for you, but, um, you know, the recovery process and, you know, for me, it didn't, um, you know, I, I know I'm a different person than I was when I, you know, before I had that injury and then after I had that injury and yeah, my, my recovery though, was more of a physical, you know, and I've heard you talk about this before, like, you know, like I'm a man, you know, grit your teeth and get through the pain and, yeah. you know, and like, Except the fact that uh, my, my point was like, except the fact that your foot is not going to be like it was, but grit your teeth, be a man, work through the pain, fight through the pain and play, you know, and, and shut up, you know, <laughs> that's kind of, that's, yeah, yeah. that's, that was my mentality and not even really considering that, man, all these pills are messing with me, you know, um, the pain and trying to fight through that traumatic point, you know, I'd, I'm sure you, you, for you, like I would wake up re revisiting the, the accident and, and, um, in the middle of the night, like heart pounding and how long, and, how long were you having that? Uh, it was, it was probably like seven, eight years, six years, maybe. Have you talked to anyone about it? Um, okay I don't think you so. haven't. Yeah, no. I don't think I have specifically about that. There's been some other tra traumatic things for me to work through that I've, you know, I've I've been through a divorce and yeah, um, me too. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so man, we're so similar. We're we're both very tall. <laughs> we both had like <laughs> that, yeah. yeah, nerve nerve damage injuries and um and so um but yeah, I haven't talked to anybody about that for me as far as my injury, like I've had some obviously physical therapy and then I've worked through some stuff with my, with like, like muscle testing and, and stuff like that. Yep, yep, but we haven't too. really dove into fit, like mentally how that has affected me. So yeah. Yeah. Damn dude. Tomorrow is uh, going to be a lot of talk about that. Yeah. We're, uh, okay. for, for listeners. So yeah, I'm doing a presentation on chops and coffee. Thank you yeah. for allowing that space for me. I'm just in the middle of inviting some amazing people. So it's kind of, a, I'm really excited about it. And Very cool. uh, yeah, this, the, the key thing that I would want to say about that is everyone who even resonates at all with what we're talking about now, you have to look into your body before you look into your mind. When it comes to stress and overwhelm, uh, don't believe everything you think. And I know that's kind of a funny thing to say, but uh, it's absolutely true because our core beliefs, we like to think are completely in our mind, but our core beliefs are heavily, heavily influenced by our body and uh, our 
awareness of our sensation, whether, I mean, the primal kind of limbic brain is close to the spine. And so it's just very triggered and uh, empowered at the same time by our feeling. As a feeling comes up from our nervous system up to our brain, it really encounters those core beliefs first. And sometimes we can think we're sort of cognitively figuring this out. I got it in this box, but actually it's our body sensation that's having a huge voice in the conversation. I've experienced that exact thing. You know, I would always wonder um, when, especially when I was, when I was like still in a cast and, um, and I, or when I was recovering, even now, you know, that injury uh, for, I, I'm, I guess I should say like my, my, um, I shattered my heel and my yeah. ankle and then um, I had to have surgery, two surgeries and all this stuff. So anyways, I'll tell that story on another podcast. But um, <laughs> but when I've had the the um, traumatic feeling like the, the fight or flight feeling, you know, whatever that that saying is, um, you know, like. Mm-hmm my wife is driving and we almost got in a car accident and you have that oh like that horrific feeling i always feel that right in my stomach and i feel it on where my ankle broke like the the two weakest yep. parts of my body yeah. and so you saying that you know your spine is connected and 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 then you're you know how can fear bring that pain that you have like in my my stomach you know and then in my my ankle and it's been like that like anything like i almost fall down the stairs and it's like oh it's like immediately that part hurts you know or i i count a song out in four four when it should be in six eight and it's like ah you know and it, it it's like that reaction it it i don't know what one thing has to do with the other but it takes me right back to that pain if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, yeah, it makes complete sense. And just understanding how our bodies are wired, it's completely in line with sort of the engineering of our organism that that happens. And it just, it makes such a difference when we understand that. Cause I didn't understand that at all. I was going through very similar things. And particularly as men, we are taught to be mentally tough. Mental toughness, crush it with your mind vice, you know, this idea like a real man can get over anything, you know, time heals all wounds. And if it takes too long, you're a, the P word. I don't know. I'm trying not, <laughs> not to use that word. It's, it's, but I mean, just to sort of personify that mentality, that's how, you know, we're driven. And right. that, and we feel like that's a core belief. We feel like that's a thought. And it's, mostly not it's mostly a feeling of our body wanting to belong but this social system is impeding that system your nervous system and when those two are in conflict you can have some real dire results man that's that's so profound that's exactly what i was you know that's what i was feeling when i went through my 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 trauma is you know like there's i remember times a, a few things always pop up in my mind and the first one is like you know, this isn't true. This can't be happening. And, um, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's not really broken. That was like the first thing, you know, and then <laughs> you're like, crap, you know, it, it, it's, yeah. And then, then, then for me, <sighs> fast forward to, um, you know, I started thinking, how am I going to work? You know, I was working as a professional drummer and, yeah, um, sure. and then it was like, but then fast forwarding to, um, you know, like when I was going through physical therapy, there was times where like 
the doctor would be working on something else or my physical therapist would be working on something else. And then they would see me like pouring sweat and just trying to muscle my way through to, to force my ankle to get back to to normal, you know? And I was in like horrific pain, but it was like, they had to be like, Hey, like calm down, you know, like, what are you doing? You can't do it. You can't, you're going to hurt yourself if you do calm, it like that. Dude, you're calm down. Your fucking nervous system's going crazy. Right. Somebody, calm down. Like, <laughs> if somebody says that to somebody, the very next thing should be breathe deeply, get still, get centered. I mean, there's a process that you regulate right. your nervous system with. And for anybody to clamp this powerful energy that's in humans and just like squelch that, it is engaging a 500 million year old reflex. And that is the immobilization reflex. And it's one that's kind of more understanding is um, <laughs> happening in the scientific community about that. And we definitely need to talk about what that is. Hey, guys, hope you're enjoying this podcast. Before we move any further, I just want to tell you a little bit about the drum brigade. All right. Stay tuned. Yo, Funky Phil. Yo, Corey. We have some great listeners, don't we? Yeah. You know how they can be even more like dope than they already are? Keep listening. Definitely true. What else? Tell all your friends. Also very true. What else? Join the Patreon. All good things. But you know, the biggest thing that they can do is go to drumbrigade.com and check out the merch store. Yes. We have so much like dope swag up there. We got men's shirts, sweatshirts. We got women's shirts. We got kids' shirts. Yes, onesies. We got socks, mugs, phone cases, stickers. We got it all. All in different sizes, all in different colors, just for you. So if you want to show the world that you are a drummer with style and you're part of the Brotherhood of Drums, go to drumbrigade.com, visit our merch store. Oh, yeah. What's up, guys? My name is Corey Kingston, and I'm the owner and creator of The Drum Brigade. I'm here to tell you about the new affordable drum lesson program that we just launched. We've set a goal of reaching and teaching over 1,000 students a month, and we're using the platform Patreon to help us do that. We're currently uploading full lessons with sheet music and play-alongs and much more, and we're uploading new lessons every single week. And on top of that, we've already uploaded an archive of video lessons that are ready to go right now. So with your Patreon membership, you get weekly drum lessons and access to all of our archive lessons for only $5 a month. $5 a month, $5 a month. That's like $1.25 a week. Are we sure about this? For us at Drum Brigade, it's all about community first. So we believe that this is a way that we can promote camaraderie over competition in our drum community. So you guys can help us reach that goal of reaching 1,000 students every single month on Patreon, only at drumbrigade.com, where I'm accepted, I belong, and so do you. Yeah, so so let's 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 transition into how this led to your studies. So you I, I've heard you mention that like you 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 know your livelihood was being a, a drummer and that was like very, very close to 
being taken away from you. Like your whole world was to become a better drummer or the best drummer you can be, right? It was similar for me where, you know, I was like, the doctor literally told me, if you don't get in surgery, like by the morning, we might have to amputate your leg, like your, your, your foot. And I mean, that was like, that right there probably caused, you know, some trauma, that statement. And so going back to, you know, I don't want to just keep dwelling on your injury and your, the trauma. Um, like I said, it's a unique story, but it's, um, it's, uh, it's propelled you into where you, you know, you've talked about hitting rock bottom. It affected you in a negative way, but then through your studies, you've started to develop different things on how the body works with the mental, your mental state. And so can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your studies and what's that leading you to and, and how this is all working for you now? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you mentioned rock bottom. I would want to just say a little bit about that. There was a six-year period from my accident where I was just applying very physical, very masculine (laughs) kind of coping mechanisms to healing. And after six years of that, I just ran out of juice. And I was just like, if this is the rest of my life, I I don't prefer to be alive. And uh, in that regard, I had a very kind of textbook symptoms of PTSD. And I know we associate a lot of uh, like kind of war veteran injuries to PTSD, because that's the reason it was originally sort of diagnosed was because so many of these veterans were killing themselves and had to do something about that in the psychological community, even though nobody wanted to talk about it. But at a certain point, it hit a threshold. And so it was in the 80s. And that was when the first kind of PTSD research started coming back and the intent was just to get them back into society don't necessarily heal them but just kind of shove them back into society so that they're functional and so the 90s found out that that didn't work and they had to come up with something else and it really in the 2000s i think the embodiment community started understanding how much of a role the body played in healing and so these so people who would typically be treated for trauma before 2000 would, they would express their symptoms, they would go deep into talking about it, they would um, employ, you know, that was the therapy, it was talk therapy, and they'd have to revisit, get re-traumatized oftentimes, and uh, in exposure therapy is what I did, and that's what that is, and it's very painful to approach it from the mind. And I wouldn't recommend it. Fortunately, I was on a cruise ship working 10 hours a week, which enabled me this lifestyle to like barely get through my job and then go back to my cabin and crush myself in my journal, you know? And, and so I just thought like, oh my God, what are people gonna do? They're, I mean, you're gonna have to like just upend your life in order to heal. And that's when I, I heard about somatic experiencing, which just completely bypasses the brain and goes straight to the body. And that, cause that's where trauma lives. man, that's changed my life. And I feel like if I need, if I can move the ball forward at all and advancing the knowledge of that conversation, that's, you know, really helping just thousands of people, I I need to do that. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I left off like our train of thought was just how this therapy came to exist. And I've Came to, I came to know about it three years ago, and I was also just a, I was just being a therapy junkie. I mean, I was I was really spending about 20 to 30 hours a week just looking up 
trauma videos and, <laughs> and reading books and applying it to the drums and I would because it was self-care for me because then I would notice I was making advances and then I really kept falling back to Peter Levine like the things he was saying and oh my god you just watch you got to watch the Ray video Peter Levine Ray video he goes through this war veteran and you can tell the kid is just like what the hell are you talking about at the beginning like you want me to you know, he, he, he does these things that you understand the nervous system. You're like, yeah, do that, do that. And to this, you can see from somebody who's coming at it from like a crush it with my mind vice. I'm like, what the hell am I doing these things for? And over the span of five sessions, like just, he's just transformed. And, and like the implications for drums are endless for these therapies because they focus on the body. Like, you know, right. drummers can't talk about embodiment. Who the hell can't? Like we, you head to toe, we are our instrument, you know, and it really exudes out of us from every pore, from every limb. And so really focusing on the nervous system and its complexity and beauty is just something that I feel all drummers can benefit from. Man, so so that is uh, an interesting thing that you just said, because I always so I always try to explain this to people. I, I try to explain this to my wife. So for me, you know, I don't really ever feel like there was a point in my life where I learned how to play drums. You know, it was, um, you know, of course I took lessons and I study and I do all this stuff. And, uh, you know, now I practice to get better as a drummer, yeah. but yeah. I don't ever feel like there was a thing where it was like, okay, I've, I did, I went from not knowing how to play drums to now I know how to play drums, you know? And, um, I just always kind of did it. I just, I, you know, I, I, the first time I got on the drum set, it was like, I just absorbed all this stuff like a sponge from watching my dad, you know, my dad's drummer play in his band yeah. anyways. Um, so when I, what I, what I always tell people is my point is, um, when I play drums, it's not something that I like, I like to do because it's challenging or, you know, of course that's, that's true. But for me, it's a feeling that comes out that I need to have come out of me. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a feeling. And um, when I was a young kid, when I was like five years old or six years old, my dad's drummer quit the band and then he took his drums home. So I had no drums to play. And I, it didn't really like, it wasn't really like, oh man, it was just kind of like, there's no more drums. And then I went on to doing playing and being a little kid. And yeah. then when I was about 10 years old, I was like, there's some kind of void like in my life, there's something missing and I cannot figure out what you know, I, I don't subconsciously I'm thinking yeah. this. And so it was like anything I could pound on pots and pans, anything, anything, you know, I'm tapping on everything pencils, you know, that how every drummer is. <laughs> and it yeah. was, it was literally like I was begging my dad for a drum set and, um, sell I had to sell my bicycle, which is those guys that know me that know the only thing I love as much as drums or almost as much as cycling. So I sold my yeah. bike to get a drum set. And then it was just like, as soon as I started playing, it was like that feeling was released, you know, and it was just like, Oh my gosh, this is what I need, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah, what you were saying about, about that, how, you know, the, the way that it is for drummers, that's so connected with me in a, in a mental, you know, psychological way that, you know, and then, and then again, going back to the trauma, having that almost taken away, oh my gosh, that can play such a, a big role, you know, on how you, how you perform and how you play and, 
And then also, you know, uh, uh, on the on another angle of that is as drummers, we all have that thing where we get in our own heads and then we, yeah. we can't really perform to our best abilities or yeah, our play our best and um, we're intimidated by other drummers or other situations or other musicians or, you know, and so then that that can also, you know, yeah. play a role in that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the classic conflict is like, be mentally tough, but get it out of your head. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, I mean, how do you even do that? And so I think what that conflict, uh, that kind of cognitive distortion is pointing out, cognitive dissonance, is that there's something beyond the mind. And they're like, they're really not focusing on it. You aren't seeing the big picture. And I mean, you, you obviously are in touch with it. You feel like you're a drummer. And so, you know, there's not like some litmus test, like, oh, drummer, like, nope, nope, not drummer. You know, it's, I think like we all, it's all up to us and to be a drummer and feel like you belong, like your soul belongs behind the drums really is in the body. And so, yeah, and you some drummers, the, oh, I shouldn't even say it, but I'm gonna, <laughs> you're just kind of, you know, you can't help but, you can't help but uh, just observe and be like, oh, this drummer just feels like he's kind of, you know, very cognitive about his playing. And, you know, if that awareness kind of I lose a little pull to the, you know, what they're doing, but there's a drummer that puts their body into it. Freaking mm -hmm. Steve Jordan, like, I don't know. It's just like, wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can play just like the simplest thing in the world and it would just be very impactful. And so those are the drummers that move me in particular. Now, how about you for, for as in a physical way, you know, like how does your, the psychology and then the physical aspect of playing drums, how is that like, you know, what are your studies doing to help you with that? A lot of measuring. So one of the great things about drums is that it is the most measurable movement in the world, I think, because you can video yourself and you can measure tension you can be in final cut and go frame by frame and see how you're moving. Is it symmetrical? There is time. You can put yourself in logic or pro tools on the grid and look where you are ahead or behind. And if you're, you can tempo map something off the grid and see, oh, I've tempo went up here, went down there. And then there's also your emotion, which is measurable, which I didn't really think about, like how the hell do you measure emotion? Like, and so, but there's this thing called heart rate variability that is the very strong indicator of your emotional state. And it's the relationship between your system and uh, coherence is the optimal um, kind of exchange between the systems of your body, the digestive and circulatory and respiratory and nervous system. And then there's cognitive system and then there's your social system. And so the way these systems work together is all very much related to the breath. And so the breath affects your emotional state. So if you can measure the time of the breath compared to your heart rate, you can get a picture of where you are in your emotions. So I would video myself and record myself. Uh, I'd do three cameras, one above me to see shoulders, make sure there's symmetry there. And then one on the feet so I can check my grounding, like am I connected with the earth? And then one in front of me is good, could get facial cues because your face very much gives away your emotional state too, depending on which muscles you're flexing. And then the side is good for posture. And then you throw up the screenshot of logic and you see where you are ahead and behind the beat. And you notice how certain movements will result in maybe a sound you didn't want, a shank rim shot or like something not really solid or not middle of the drum. And then you see how it relates to your 
heart rate variability. You can program your heart rate and you can put it in, in real time into this program. And so that's how I'm kind of, well, yeah, there would be times it'd be like, I'm, I'm 10 milliseconds ahead of the click for like three bars. Like, what the fuck is that? And I'd measure like the guide track, is the guide track ahead? Am I moving? Like, why is that? And then I'd go to the video, check my heart rate, see where I am on the grid. And I noticed certain movements and certain emotional states would shift my awareness of where the beat was. And so, and it's all based out of somatic therapy. My goodness, that th this is okay. So this is blowing my mind right now. <laughs> this is, um, this is so interesting to me because, um, you know, like again, I, the, the sports analogy or, you know, like in cycling, yeah. You can met you, you like if you're a pro cyclist, you measure everything. You're you're measuring your power meter, you're measuring your cadence, you know, how fast you're pedaling, you're measuring how fast your your speed is, you're measuring your heart rate, and then you're calculating everything, what you're eating, what you know, how to balance how much um food is gonna translate into energy to propel you forward to get the most efficient yeah. miles in and then thus win the race. And we don't have anything like that in, you know, in the studio, if you're recording or if you're playing live, you're expected to play in time. If you don't play in time, you're not a good drummer. That's, that's kind of what people have said, but no one really yeah. asks, like, if I go into the studio and I'm like, yeah, I know I can play to a click. I play to a click every day, but if I'm nervous and I'm rushing now, or when when we walk on stage and that adrenaline rush, you know, the lights go out and, and the crowd cheers and you're uh, like, yeah, let's yeah, go. Yeah. And then you count off the song like 25 beats per minute <laughs> faster than it should be. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, nobody ever stops to ask, okay, well, what's leading to this? Why are you rushing or why are why is your nervousness causing you to not play in time in the studio? Whereas if, you, if we were an athlete, all of that would be measured and then the adjustments would be made so you can perform your best the day of the race. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I'm super excited about it. I've planned to do a year with it. There was uh, May 6th was the date of my accident and uh, my therapist was telling me, you know, your 10 year anniversary is coming up. Are you going to spend another 10 years before you talk about this and become, because she was really encouraging <laughs> me to like really just be more forward about it rather than occasion you know i did one thing at mi and another i don't know just these sporadic okay i've done three podcasts so far and that so she really thought that i just needed to make a video and post it and pursue whoever aligns or comments with any positivity on it like seek out a conversation with them and that was really her idea and i'm just like okay yeah you're right you know what when am i going to do it it's been 10 years and so I did it. I uh, did my trauma story video, May 6, 2010, 2020, sorry, uh, in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> and so, but the funny thing is, is I was like, okay, I'm going to call two or three drummers a week for a year. I'll talk to a hundred people, have a bunch of uncomfortable conversations, and I'll have come to some sort of conclusion, you know, trying to base on this measuring, like what's, what's even out there. And what I found was that incredible amount of compassion and alignment with what I was feeling and what I wanted to do but a very much a disalignment with anyone wanting to have their name associated with what I was doing. And I oh, totally really? respect that. And so I won't use anyone's name that I spoke with because I did step out of my lane. I did make some mistakes early on. I didn't intend to like claim to be a, a practitioner or a therapist, uh, you know, but I kind of 
see how I may have a few times and I really regret that. And so I need to be really careful about how I talk about this because I, I can talk forever about how I apply it to the drums, but I need to be really careful with the emotional element of it. And, and so the, what that made me realize is like, well, I should become a practitioner. Yeah, and that's a hard road. It's uh, mostly for therapists, licensed, you know, people who have their licensure in therapy or body workers who deal with traumatized people. And they, you know, have a, they on their application, they have a box for Somatic Experiencing Institute. There's not a drummer box, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, my, you know, whatever I've done doesn't follow, you know, it isn't a distinct qualification. So I've had to kind of just work on it myself in order so that I can appeal to somebody and like, oh, okay, this guy's doing something that's out, kind of outside of what we do typically. But I feel like this presentation tomorrow is essentially my application. I am applying what I've learned to drums and I've, I'm hoping that it will result in acceptance into the certification program. First of all, congratulations on, you know, that's your, your date is in two days um, at, at the time we're recording this. So first of all, I'm, I'm honored that you're, you know, you've, you're, you're doing this on the, the chops and coffee platform and believe it or not, it's a really big accomplishment for me to have, you know, something that was just kind of started on a whim, like, Hey, I want to do a warm up this morning. Let me call some of my friends and see if they want to do it. And now it's yeah. turned into this. Yeah. It's, it's really, really amazing for me to be a part of, uh, have a small part in your journey. So man, congratulations on that. And it, it really definitely sounds like you are onto something so great and you can really help and, and reach a lot of people um, with this. If you can help just one person, you know, like have a successful session by looking into, you know, why his body is reacting in this way, or you can improve somebody's drumming through these studies, I would feel like that already is a success, you know, that that is already something that is noteworthy for our community and for the drum industry. And and if you can even develop that even to even more, I mean, it's like, the, the world is not ready. You know, it's like, it's so great. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. You say that though. The world is ready. Yeah. Like yeah. I'd like, I even, I, it's so beyond me. It's so beyond the scope of me as an individual. The fact that we're coming out of this pandemic mm -hmm. and we're in record levels of need to understand how our nervous system works. Because man, the, the embodiment community is freaking out right now about something that I don't hear anyone else talking about. And that's shallow breathing in groups. Dude, we have never like felt this before. And now when we go out in groups, there's sort of this unconscious feeling like, you know, I mean, normally we kind of co-regulate with people and we increase our breathing and our heart rate increases and we feel connection and hug and all this. But COVID is going to create this sort of little bit of more of a shallow breathing inclination. And so in the somatic experiencing, something like that is very much coupled to a sympathetic nervous reaction, which is fight or flight, like you breathe shallow. And, and so these things that make us breathe shallow suddenly are going to come up in our unconscious because of our inclination to breathe more shallowly around other people. And so like germophobia symptoms and <laughs> People, I mean, embodiment people are just like, okay, anything, even hinting at germophobia, do this, 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 and this, you know, I mean, there's like prescriptions for this. And I really think it's a prescription for the whole world. And 
So, I mean, if, if with the drums can be sort of a catalyst for that, since this is such a primal physical thing, <laughs> you know, I yeah. think that that can be really, really great for me and other people, I hope. Absolutely, man. That is something I feel so now that gigging is starting to open up too. It's something I feel so it is like, it is so bizarre that what you just said, that is exactly how I feel. Like, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm having this anxiety to breathe like at a gig even behind my drums i'm like man the bass player's a little bit too close to me man like how do i and then i'm in my head like how do i get him to like move over or like you know anything anything or like you're that wearing a mask and i'm wearing a mask it, yeah right you don't get as much <laughs> oxygen and it's going it's going to trigger people's fight or flight and it's yeah. going to be minor but it's going to be there and they're going to like okay well i'm feeling this weird thing i got to crush it with my mind device and it's this bullshit, you know mental toughness thing that especially is triggered in men mm -hmm. uh obviously women have <laughs> their own problems with patriarchy but us you know our conversation men are going to struggle with this in predictable ways and man guys we gotta be aware that when we get upset and we don't understand why we have to breathe deeply and most likely the feeling is going to go away because it's our shallow breathing that's causing the problem and so if anyone tells you to calm down it doesn't tell you to breathe deeply like they're they don't know what they're doing yeah the traditional gender roles play a huge part in our social systems and uh, there's a lot of conflict between our social systems and our inner world systems and that's a whole nother area of study. So yeah, Gabor Mate has a brilliant connection of, you know, the psychological, the biological and the sociological and how they're just really coming to somebody with a compassionate inquiry, understanding that there are these three things they're dealing with that can really help all of us. Because man, what I'm just tripping out on all these therapists that I admire is their ability to name the thing without putting themselves into it. And like, that's the biggest connection with education we're going to need moving forward. I've been interested in education, particularly student-based education. And there's a lot of talk about trauma-informed education as we get back to school. And they're trying to tell teachers, you know, uh, the kids are maybe a little shaky. Maybe you're a little shaky. Uh, we're going to need you to step up and be able to regulate your shakiness so you don't trigger the kid. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's what a therapist does. I mean, that's what they're trained to do. And so when I see these therapists talk to each other, it just blows my mind how they're able to say these deep, penetrating, emotional things and just be able to like say what it is and be distanced from it, but still hold it with like compassion and love. And, and it's like, I'm not there yet. <laughs> so, you know, I still have some work to do on myself before I'm able to be that level of like Jedi emotional control. I think that the, what you do have going for you is, um, you know, w one, your abilities as a musician and your credentials as a musician, but also you've, you've lived it, you've experienced it and you can level with somebody, um, you know, where you've gone through this, you've worked through this and you've experienced what works for you. You know, you've, you've, you've had, you, you know, like we we're talking about, you've, you first of all had the trauma, you went, you hit rock bottom, you worked through it. And then you also developed physically, you know, how to practice again, right. And how to develop as a performing drummer, as a teacher, all of these things, yeah. along with your studies, I think that's going to be something that's a big benefit to our community and, and to what oh, you do. Man. So much gratitude for saying that it's been just self care up until probably a year and a half ago. And then 
Uh, well, when I found out what my why is, it involved other people. And I think a why has to. There was this book I read, Simon Sinek, Start With Why. And it really just like, oh my God, this is the absolute truth. But how the hell do I find what mine is? And so I, I went, to, I was into Tony Robbins. I love the coaching world. I mean, he's got so much energy and he's done so many great things for people, obviously. But, and so what I got from that was this idea of making your worst day your best. I really thought that's like, oh man, that's cool. Okay, I can, if I can make my worst day my best, that is awesome, right? I'm, so I was really working towards that. But then when Janina Fisher talked about having compassion for yourself means that person before your worst day that you were, you need to be able to love that person. And the other, the ran to complete the system that you have to learn how to make that person love who you are now. Because I think that one is really the tough one because you see yourself with these old core beliefs you had before whatever may have been overwhelmingly stressful for you. And when you feel that it's like, they're still here, you know? And so I think you're triggered by this person you were. And so that's how I'm really trying to dimension what I'm doing is like, if I can extend this kind of bilateral bridge to who I was, then that, I mean, if I build it and I make it beautiful and designed well and understandable to you know that bridge could be helpful for other people and that's just gives me endlessly emotion endless emotion connection to what i'm doing how do you um how did you you know or how do you work through making your best day your worst day your best day so what does that what does that mean that well it's the the coaching version of that is to be Tony Robbins, you know, it, it, he talks about emotional state, your emotional home and all, but it's all cognitive. It's all like this mind vice. I'm going to say it's crap. It's just like, you can't keep telling people that. And I can prove it scientifically to you right now. I'll call on Stephen Porges's research with polyvagal theory. And he found out that nine out of 10 nerves coming from our internal organs to our brain are sensory and one in every 10 is motor. So that means nine of the 10 signals being exchanged between our internal organs and our brain are sensory information, our body telling us that whether we're okay or not and how we're doing. And we're getting bombarded at least four times a second, our body's telling us, okay, systems are, you're not gonna die in the next one quarter of a second, you know, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just constant and it's, wow. it's nine out of 10. And so there's just all this flooding information upwards, but up here we are with our, you know, kind of cognitive privilege, I would say, you know, like privileging the mind over the body and say, oh, well, that information's not important. You know, it's mentally tough. And I mean, it's just not a winning battle <laughs> to think of your sensation, cognition and sensation that way. I, I just keep thinking about, you know, how many things play a role into that where, you know, what you're putting in your body, how, what you're eating, how that can affect you mentally, how, how that can, can affect your playing, you know, and, and, um, there's so many days where I'm like, you know, I, I, I talk about, and I get on rants on the other show and, and you've heard me in chops and coffee and I never really stop to think about why, like if I'm on a gig and it's just like, you know, some, somebody like maybe I ate the wrong thing. Maybe I had a little bit too much coffee. I don't know, but like, and then I can just have the worst mental, you know, like I'm, I'm in the worst mood ever. And I just don't want to be there. And I keep thinking, man, I love playing drums. You know, why am I so bummed to be here? Oh it's, man, it's, I gotta, this guy, this is the heart math heart rate variability sensors. 
So you put it on your ear and you clip it to your shirt. All the podcast listeners are getting a big deal out of this. <laughs> but, <laughs> but this is the visual element. And then there's an app on your phone. Ow. Well, so there's an app on your phone and it shows you how to breathe and it monitors your heart rate and it's trying to find coherence between your systems. And so over time, it starts realizing it's certain inhalation rates and exhalation breath patterns it results in a certain coherence with your heart and so over time it starts telling you to breathe at different rates so because we're all different how our heart rate variability affects us because we want very high heart rate variability we want to be able to have our heart rate go very fast to very low and be have a lot of fluctuation in it and how you achieve that is by understanding where your baseline is. And so you try to, you breathe at the same rate. It starts off with like every four seconds in, every four seconds out and it monitors. And eventually you get in touch with, okay, when I do this, this is my baseline. And now I started, okay, when I breathe at this rate, uh, I have a different heart rate. When I'm playing drums, I have a different heart rate than when I'm stationary. And so this wow. little device, like it's, it's, I like the app. It's pretty. That's <laughs> it's cool fun to play with. And so it's it, green means you're in coherence. Blue means you're out. And red means you better chill out, you know, chill out. <laughs> and yeah. So yeah, that, that's a way that you're like before the, like, am I, okay, is this like something real that's affecting me? Or is this just kind of like my insides are messed up? So you just kind of put that on. You're like, whoa, I'm in red. Fuck. I didn't even know. I mean, because yeah. we don't know sometimes. And so if we can check that, then great. It's like the cyclist, you know? Yeah. Have you used that on any gigs or recording I, sessions or anything? Uh, I do it as part of my own practicing somatic experiencing and drumming, like the four ways to measure my motion and emotion. And so, yeah, that's been part of it. And so they calculates the data in the app and then I can kind of just follow along and see like, whoa, okay, I triggered something. I'm going ahead of the beat or if I'm off the click, suddenly it's like its own heart rate variability, you know, just playing a beat. Like sometimes things right. move ahead or behind and like, tell me that you think there's a 0% chance that your heart rate variability doesn't affect your beat variability. Oh, I absolutely. Mean, yeah, it completely <laughs> does. And so, For me, I can see someone in the audience that's like, what's up with this guy? And I'm starting to get angry or something. You know? it's, like, <laughs> it's something as simple yeah. as that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah. amazing, amazing stuff, man. Amazing stuff that that I'm that would be amazing. Like I would love to try something like that uh, for me on a gig and and you know think well, about different things. <laughs> well, uh, now is a perfect time for me to bring up this research idea I have. So I my fantasy. I'm just gonna put it out into the world that. This certification program for somatic experiencing is three years and I did their somatic experiencing basics classes and I have a real good idea of what it is and it's the most it's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And I would love it if I could take that and kind of put implement it with drummers, a group of drummers that could I could use these techniques with and research their heart rate variability and motion and sound and timing and like go through these techniques and over maybe a two or three week program like first measure them before and after I work with them and I would like from drummers who have the biggest gigs in the world to people who can't even play drums and then drummers like you you know professionals and you know man you're it is in your body you play great I it would be amazing to get to do that so I mean I think about if that's all I did the rest of my life was 
play drums and measure other drummers' emotional attunement to their playing and come up with some sort of research empirical data that could help other people play better. Like, that's the coolest thing I can think of. That's a whole nother level and a whole nother element of coaching. You know, it's you're not showing people how to, you know, of course, we all as teachers show people how to hold their sticks and how to sit up straight and how to play different patterns. But that element is like that's taking it like it's showing somebody how to ride a bike and showing somebody how to be a professional cyclist. I mean, that's that's the element of what you're bringing to drumming. It's a whole nother level of coaching that is, dude. (laughs) it's like i'm speechless you know i am super excited about it it's been such a weird thing because it's just been me i mean even my girlfriend doesn't want to hear about it she's just like you know i know you had a challenging overwhelming thing and you're working on this stuff in the shed you know it's hard for a partner to hear about their partner going through this and so it's just been me in these fucking four walls dude (laughs) for like a year and calling drummers and having uncomfortable conversations and now just in the last week i'm like okay it's coming up on a year may 6th yeah and then then this interview with francesca maxime which i can't believe she invited me because it's been a huge podcast for me all of my heroes of healing I mean, Bessel van der Kolk, Peter Levine, Janina Fisher. I mean, there's uh, Matt, uh, Terry Real, uh, Dan Siegel. I mean, it just goes on. All the top names in healing have done that. Christian McBride's been on it. And she really liked my story, I guess, and wants me to appear. And it's going to be on the day, the year mark from my accident, from when I decided to start this research. And she's very well respected. A somatic experiencing practitioner. She is a trauma therapist and she has 20 years in national news journalism. And so just the way she conducts her interviews, I just like, I don't know, she's just like, I wouldn't want to have this conversation with anyone more than her. Yeah. And, she, you know, and it's going to be on that day. And it turns out it's her birthday. Oh, man. Like, oh, my God. Get out of here with all this. So <laughs> that, yeah. that that shows you, though, that, you know, it's uh, this is this is where you belong. This is where you're, you know, you wouldn't have this opportunity if you didn't, you know, you didn't deserve it, first of all. And then you didn't have the credentials to be there. So. It's uh, this is definitely you're doing it right, man. And uh, this this <laughs> is a, this May sixth is going to be a, a really special thing for you. And I feel like this is going to not only be a special thing for you, but it's going to be a special thing for the drum community and and musicians in general. And, so, man, and thank you for getting to really this uh, co- chops and coffee was the first time I kind of had this water cooler engagement with drummers and you guys have been just so amazing about it and yeah thank you for having this platform you're doing and to share your story because uh yeah well i would say that the limbic brain takes six years to develop when you're born that's your emotional core how you relate to your environment and i feel with a lot of the conversations i've had that there's this sense of when you're reborn in a stressful situation kind of overwhelmed situation that it takes six years for you to readapt to a new emotional core and so this idea of mental toughness and you know sort of uh i don't know get over it time heals all wounds i mean it really takes six years for you to reorient to who you are now and like i think that even if that's just the message we can all get like give your give ourselves some time and some you know self-empathy i mean it's 
just going to help us all. I think. I I agree. I agree. I think that um you know like talking about you know the the COVID nineteen you know and being on lockdown and and having that social anxiety of you know working back into a society and playing gigs again and all of that stuff um you know thinking about that that man this is gonna time heals all you know like that you need time to recover and you need time to work yourself back in this isn't an overnight thing yeah especially from somebody who's been severe who's you know endured of severe trauma um you know like you said i feel like just that can really help you know allowing yourself to have time to heal allowing yourself to to have time to come back and and um yeah get better yeah, and to not discount things that you feel are like too small for you, because part of this work I've done a lot, man, the link between relaxation and memory is just such a huge thing in SE, somatic experiencing therapy, and so really realizing how tension is so related to memory, and like explicit memory, specific images and thoughts in the head versus implicit memory, emotional thoughts. I mean, tension is almost always an emotional memory in our body. And when we release that tension, it's emotional and it can be uncomfortable. And so, yeah, like as we try to relax as drummers, it can be, it can cause, if we aren't aware of that, we're gonna be coming up against obstacles we didn't predict. And that's, yeah. that's I mean, I found out there was this thing that was living in my back from when I was 14. There was this thing that was living in my neck from when I was six. And I'd like, that's, I would like, the person I used to be would just be like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, and I'm, <laughs> I'm like, man, read Betsy Politan's book, The Actor's Secret, and you'll get it. Like how many times she has found a technical problem, a tension problem with one of her students at Boston University singing or it's musical theater she teaches and she just talks about it. it always traces back to some teacher telling them they're terrible, something their mom told them, something that they had a, a surgery they forgot about or some physical and, and she's just like time da, 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 da. and finally you're just like okay i can expect to drudge up some bullshit out of my nervous system if i try to relax and so when it comes you kind of have to be able to journal about it you have to be able to dream about it you got to live with it you kind of have to re-experience the emotion from this thing that caused this tension in your nervous system in the first place and that's spiritual transformation and it's hard but the benefits are lifelong and holy shit, man. When I got rid of this tension in my back and my neck from this implicit memory bullshit, I realized I had 20% more capacity in my lungs because I wow. always kind of had this tension that was always kind of here. And whenever I'd go for something that was more technically challenging, I'd kind of cringe up and I realized that, oh my God, the thing that happened when I was six is that exact motion. And so I like, and when I got rid of that now, I mean, I just feel it like up here, how much more oxygen I get. Yeah, the Dave Elitch drum channel, he talks about this and that dude blows up like a tick, man. <laughs> it's just mm -hmm. like, oh. I mean, he takes in so much oxygen because he's so relaxed through his whole body and then boom. Yeah. It's like you feel the oxygen go out of the room and it's like to supercharge yourself that way as a drummer, it's just so powerful. But yeah, the growth mindset angle of this is that we, don't have to be who we've always been and that's like growth mindset has this like remove even the idea of yourself being a natural at something because even if you feel like you're good at it and you hit an obstacle you might feel oh, i'm a natural i shouldn't have hit an obstacle and there's this tension that results so it's just better to know that we're constantly changing neuroplasticity means that our brain is changing itself 
as we grow. And so, I mean, our body can do the same. And so growth mindsets built into this practice of getting this noise out of your nervous system that was ingrained in there, you know, and it's so personal. Don't tell me what it is. You know, I mean, you know, I'm happy to listen, but for other people who are struggling with this, it's like, you don't have to talk to some stranger about it. Mm -hmm. You can find it in yourself. You just have to know what to look for. And if you can find that and trigger it, I mean, it's just so, I think it's going to make all the difference in the world when people realize the level of self-care we're all capable of just by tracking our sensations. So excited for what the future holds for you, man. And um, please keep us posted. Please, um, you know, we'll, we'll be on the lookout. Now, if people want to get in touch with you or um, learn more, study with you, do all of that stuff, be a, be a guinea pig, you know, like, uh, yeah. um, how can people do that? I can get through YouTube. That's kind of my favorite. I'm also on Facebook. You'll find me, Adam Gust and YouTube are my two favorites. I, I've been struggling with a website because I haven't known how to really put myself out there this way. I remember I had traumadrummer.com for a while and now I'm like, oh God, that would have been terrible. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know I, I need to be careful because like I, I do want to only talk to drummers about tracking sensation and removes, you know, some of the emotional elements of it. There are other people I think that are going to resonate more with the emotional element of it. And then there's kind of this other level of, of well, uh, the trauma teaching resilience and understanding mindful awareness like they're really shifting the definition of it to not be the stigma word but to be this acronym which is about growth and so that's that's my that's my baby i guess that's the thing i feel the strongest about like if that just the definition we can change about that word it will open up the floodgates to people you know kind of reconciling it in themselves so yeah so youtube and facebook i would recommend please not to put you on the spot but I always like to wrap up our interviews with this statement. So okay. um, can you finish this sentence? Uh, Adam Gust is blank. Somatic drummer. Ooh, <laughs> never had that answer before. <laughs> that's very I, cool, man. So far, that's the one title in my emails that gets the best responses. So I've been, <laughs> I've been <laughs> practicing. I've been contacting a lot of people. When I put somatic drummer, I tend to get more interest. So I'm like, okay, we'll go with that. So man, Adam <laughs> Gus, the somatic drummer, man. Thank you so much again for coming on, man. And um, man, congratulations on all your accomplishments and the many more that are going to come, especially starting May 6th, man. Oh, man. Cheers, friend. And looking forward to tomorrow morning with you. Thank you so much.